good hallelujah man there's nothing like the presence of the lord (laughs) he can do more in just a few seconds than uh than we can plan our whole lives in in getting accomplished just out of his faithfulness and the power that he has uh to work on our behalf i am uh stirred this morning uh just by who he is and what I know that he wants to do in and among us. Um, by what I see, you know, even as Josh said, that God is stirring and he's moving. And um, I, I really believe that we as a ministry, that we as the church, the body of the living God, are at a defining moment in history. I believe that. To, I'm shaken to the core of who I am because I know that God is desiring to do something that's beyond what we've seen before. Here's the thing about revival. Every new outpouring of the presence of the Lord goes further than the last one. So that's how we miss it when we try to qualify what it's going to look like by the last one or we measure it by the last one and we'll miss the current one. Are you with me? Because we look and go, well, here's what that looked like, so this should look like this. And I've shared before, Acts chapter 2 didn't look exactly like what Joel prophesied when the Holy Spirit came on that day of Pentecost. It didn't look exactly like what Joel prophesied, but, but Peter stood. He had the discernment to stand and say, this is the outpouring that Joel prophesied about. That was bold because it didn't look like what they were expecting it to look like. But Peter had the discernment of the Lord and was able to stand and say, this is that. This is that which they talked about. And as I was meditating on that and just thinking, God, so what does that mean for us? As they, as they said, uh, Friday night after worship, which was amazing, uh, our time of worship was just through the roof. Amazing, amazing, amazing. He, he just keeps saying, I'm calling you from glory to glory, from glory to glory. We had several people filled with the Holy Spirit, which is beautiful because Friday morning at prayer here, I was walking, I was praying, I laid down right behind the back row back there. I laid down, I was just praying, talking to the Lord, and the presence of the Lord was so sweet. He said, I'm going to bring fresh baptisms of fire and love. And I was like, yes, Lord. Yes, that's what we want. We want those fresh baptisms of your fire and of your love. And then, and then Friday night, we had, I think, three different people, maybe four, filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, that's him. That's, that's what he's doing. So I was like, yes, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as I was just pressing into that, then we left that and went into the men's meeting. And God began to just declare some things in our men's meeting over our men, over our church, over this region. I believe it's much bigger than just the men, what happened last night. But, but things that, um, I mean, Friday night, things that he was saying to, to the men, and then a roar came up out of this place that's been as loud as anything I've ever heard. And there were, I think there were 18 of us here, and I really felt like the walls were shaking. The windows were rattling, this roar that came up out of the men. There wasn't music playing. It was out of the men. There, we began with 
Ben just led us, said, let's just worship the Lord out of our mouths. Let's just declare who he is out of our mouth. So there was 18 men in here just walking, declaring who the Lord is out of their mouth, no music playing. And then the, the voice of the Lord began to rise up, and it came up in a shout. And I'm telling you, the hair on my arms was standing up. I could feel the presence of the Lord just like pulsating in and out of me. And I'm like, I mean, I really wanted to take my phone out because it was that dynamic, and the Lord said, don't touch it. He said, don't touch it. And it reminded me of a time we were here, and little Hannah, uh, Ben and Heather's little Hannah, she was up here worshiping. It was when she was just stepping out in worship, and uh, she was just worshiping before. She was undone. She was lost. There was a, she didn't care who was in the room. She was worshiping the one with her eyes closed, and I just videoed it, and I was like, this is unreal, and the Lord said, you can show it to Ben and nobody else. He said, because that was to me. It's honorable to show it to her dad, but that was to me. It's not to be exploited. I'm telling you, God is doing a thing He's doing a thing that's not to be exploited. He's going to do some things in the secret place that are for you in the secret place. And there'll be other things that you're supposed to share. But I'm telling you, Jesus, he's doing things in the secret place. He said, this is intimate between you and me. And if you can hold it between you and me, I'll take you to another place where you can share it. But this right here is for you and me. This is intimate between you and me. Don't lose that. Because I'm telling you, if we'll have that place, when we come in here, what he allows us to express will knock the windows out of this joint. Because as I was praying into that, and I was just undone, we left almost right, right at midnight when we left Friday night. And I was just, I was like, all right, Lord. Ben and I were texting Saturday. He said, what do you think? I said, I've never in my life been in a men's meeting like that. And I'm not making light of anything. I've been to manpower with T.D. Jakes years and years and years ago. And I'm talking about tens of thousands, 15, 20,000 people, men in this room. I've been to Promise Keepers and heard men singing hymns together and stuff like that. In the Charlotte Motor Speedway, I don't know how many thousands of men it was. Just, I mean, you, we were down in the infield and you look up and the grandstand was just about full of men. I don't know how many thousand men. And I've been there and I was moved in those things, but there was nothing like what took place here Friday night. It's not because it was ours. It was because what the Lord is stirring up, what the Lord is, he's raising up leaders. And we, we prayed over some men. And I'm going to tell you, hide and watch. Hide and watch what God is going to do. One of the things that he said, and I'll share this, is that the Lord said, among men, not just me or not just Ben, the voice that came out is God has given his voice back to the men. He's given the men their voice back. They've been silent in the church too long. They've been silent in the marketplace too long for the king. He said their voice is coming back. Their voice is coming back, and it's going to sound a lot like a roar. So, ladies, I'm telling you, don't be intimidated. He's not roaring at you. He's roaring with you. Right? Don't be intimidated when, when you see the presence of the Lord stirring in your men, stirring in your men, because he's doing something that is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's men that seem to be quiet that God's stirring a roar in them. And you're going to go, where did that come from? From the Holy Spirit. And he's doing something that only 
he can do. So as I'm, I'm praying in all this, you know, I've been, I've talked about the tabernacle a few times and, and the Lord just kept saying, after Friday night, he kept saying to my heart, it's the tabernacle of David. It's the tabernacle of David. It's the tabernacle of David. And I said, all right, Lord, what is that? What is that? I know what the tabernacle of David is. I know what David established and I know all that. But he just said, here's what I'm doing. So I went to Amos, not to Acts chapter 15. I went to Amos chapter 9. It was Amos who prophesied it. It was right after he had prophesied how Israel was going to be trampled underfoot because of their rejection of the living God. That's exciting, right? (laughs) But he was saying, here's what's going to happen because you turned away from the living God. You turned to idols and all this. And he said, you're going to be spread abroad and, and all this stuff that you're going to lose your land. And do you understand, Israel has re-inhabited their land three times in history. The third was uh, when they took it in 48, 1948, is that right? Uh, they, they captured it, and the word says when they take it, that time they'll never lose it again. So I'm telling you, I don't care what world leaders are trying to do. Israel, this one is the one. It's the one. And it goes with Amos chapter 9. Amos prophesied that you're going to be spread all over the earth and other nations and stuff like that, and other nations will, will have your land. He said, but this, listen, verse 11 out of Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9, verse 11. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, he who sows seeds. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills will flow with it, shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. That's what God prophesied in Amos chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. So as I was looking at this, he said this, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. So he tells us, the day that I've reestablished the tabernacle of David, here's some things that are going to happen. He said, one of the first things he said is, I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. So he was saying, they're going to come back into Jerusalem. They're going to possess their land, and they're going to start reigning again in their land. As far as I know, I I could be wrong because I'm not a history buff. I don't know of another nation that was totally annihilated and came back into power and to rule in the land that they had lost. It's not coincidental. It's because it's the hand of God. It's what he prophesied. And listen to what he says. He said that they may possess the remnant of Edom. You know who that is? That's the Muslims. The Syrians and the Muslims. He's saying this, in that day, in what day? In the day that I reestablished the tabernacle of David. What was the tabernacle of David? It was when David went, he said, we've got to have the presence of the Lord. It was at Obed-Edom's house. And he went down and he sacrificed. I forget how many steps he would take and he would make an offering. He would take a few steps, he would make an offering. All the way back to Jerusalem. And he said, I'm going to build this uh, tabernacle for God to dwell in. But this one was different than all the others. All the others were in a 
tent that were covered and no one could see. This one, the ark was surrounded by worshipers. The ark of the covenant that was hidden in the holy of holies. We were, we were singing, Shekinah glory come down. Shekinah glory come down. And the presence of the Lord filled this room this morning when we were singing, Shekinah glory come down. You know why? Because that Shekinah is the manifest presence of God. That's what would manifest behind the curtain where there was no light. It was the Shekinah glory that would come down and illuminate when the, when the high priest would go back there and he would offer the sacrifice. He would put the blood on the mercy seat, which is is Jesus. Inside was types of man's rebellion. It was the Aaron's rod that budded. It was the Ten Commandments, and it was the golden pot of manna, where God, where man, it was a, it was a covering of man's rebellion. Because all of those things were the provision of the Lord, and they rebelled against every one of them. The leadership, the provision, and the law of God, they rebelled against it. And it was under the mercy seat, which was solid gold, beaten, solid gold with angels on each side. That's Jesus. It's Jesus. And it was behind the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest could go. But when David brought it in, dancing before it and twirling, in 1 Chronicles 15, 16, and 17, you can read this. And David came in, and it's where Michael, his, Michael, his wife, said, you look like a fool. And he pretty much said, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. And it says, she was barren from that day forward because she despised his worship. Jesus. That just hit me in the heart. Don't despise someone else's worship. Don't despise someone else's worship. It leads to death. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to ride that for a second because as we were in worship, Nanette had a word that God is opening wombs. As we were in worship, and it was rich, the Lord spoke to Nanette, is that not right? And said, I'm opening wombs. So when you despise worship, wombs are closed. But when you enter into worship, wombs are open. So we declare that right now as a word from the Lord for those in here who have been believing for a child, that the womb is open Lord, we agree with your word that next year around this time, there'll be babies in the river. God, give us a year. (laughs) So we can make room for more babies in the river. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, we have an abundance of new babies. Thank God. We're growing from out and from in, and that's good. But David came in and he worshiped. And you know what's so beautiful about this is I was reading this. I believe, listen, listen, I believe that God will do stuff that's in your heart that wasn't in his. David is a testimony of that. Because David said, after he set up this tabernacle that, that, uh, that was built the way he struck us, constructed it with worshipers 24-7 around this tabernacle. David worshiped, worship, and he said, wait a minute, I think it's First Chronicles 17, he said, I live in a house built with cedar, which was the finest wood. He said, but there's not a house for God. And Nathan, the prophet, 
He said to him, David, do whatever's in your heart because God is with you. You know what? He was smart enough to know when David pursued something, he was a man that had God's heart and that God would do it. That night, God came to Nathan and spoke to him and said, Nathan, tell David that if I wanted a house, I'd have one. He said, I've dwelt in tents so that I could move when I wanted my people to move and stuff like this. But he goes on to say, tell David he won't do it, but nevertheless, his son will. God said, I don't need a house. I don't want a house. It's in there. Read the Bible. God said, I don't even want a house. I don't need one. But because David wanted one, his son will build it. David pulled something out of heaven that God said, I wasn't even planning to do that. It wasn't that God didn't know it. It snuck up on God. That's not what I'm saying. Don't mess up your theology. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, that David in his pursuit, that's not all. It said in that same passage when they were worshiping before the Lord that David wore a linen ephod just like the priest. That wasn't allowed by a king. It wasn't allowed by the king. That was for the priestly garment. But David, he pulled stuff out of the New Testament into the old. He was a type and an example of what we're supposed to look like as a worshiper that says, I won't be put in a box and God is not. And that is what he's looking for in a people that says, yes, God, I'll be that prophet, priest, and king like he said in Peter. He said, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a kingdom of priests and kings. That's who we are. That's who God has created us to be. We've got to quit looking at who who we should have been or who we would have been and say, God, here's who I am. Here's who you've created me to be, and I want to be everything you've called me to be. I won't put you in a box any longer. God, what is it in my heart that we can pull from heaven into this world that you go, man, that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. I'm with you. I'll do that. It's not asking God to join what we're doing. It's getting a vision from heaven that says, God, I want something that the people need. See, it wasn't about David. It was about the people that he led. He said, they need this God. They need a place that's erected that all can see, and they can go, wow, look at that. Because when Solomon built his temple, it was two or three times taller than the tabernacle that was in the wilderness. It was tall so that it could be seen from all over. It was built on the highest part in Jerusalem so it could be seen from all over. Because he said, I'm going to build it to the Lord. You, You understand that to build that temple today would be in the billions of billions of dollars. But God said, David, because it's in your heart, your son will do it. That's legacy. That's inheritance. He's saying, I think he was saying to David, David, I love your heart, but you've got to build bigger than you. I think he's saying the same thing to us. Let's not pursue God in a way that's just us, that it'll affect the generations to come after us. Billy came up to me. She drives from Durham to be here. She came up to me and she said, I just felt like in worship, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, he spoke to her last week here and said example. Isn't that right? The word example. And he said, the Lord spoke to her and said, you see the leadership here. You see the the worship team here. They're examples that you can follow. That's what Paul said. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. 
See, what is God doing? He's establishing something. David set a precedence. When he built this tabernacle that was totally different than anything anybody had seen before, it was once surrounded by worship where the men would gather and they would sing and they would play instruments and they worshiped God 24-7. And we've got ministries in this day that have established 24-7 worship. Are they important? Absolutely, they're important. But I think we might have missed it a little bit. And it's not just that we have buildings or organizations or ministries that are 24-7 worship. But he said, he went on to say, what, don't you know that your body is the temple of the living God? The tabernacle of David is people with their temple worshiping God 24-7. And he said, when that happens, at that time, here's, you can have a a timeline of when it's going to happen. You can have not a physical date, if you will, but you can say, when you see these things, and he says that throughout scripture, when you see these things, know that here's what's going to happen. He said, when you see Israel possess their land forever, know that it's that time that the tabernacle of David has been, re- has been erected. That I've reestablished the tabernacle of David. So what are you saying? I'm saying, I believe right now at this defining moment in history, we have that opportunity to say yes and to step in to what he's doing and say, yes, I'm going to be that tabernacle of David. Because he said in that moment, he said that there's some significant things that are going to happen. Israel will be in their land, that the, the Muslims will be reached with the gospel. And then it'll be at the time when he's invited the Gentiles in. Do you know what that is? That's everybody who's not a Jew. That's us. We're part of that now. So if the word is true, and it is, and that's what, see... In Acts chapter 15, what was going on, uh, when, when uh, they quoted this passage in Acts chapter 15, what was going on is they were at the Jerusalem council. The leaders had come together. The apostles, James, the leader of that church, had come together. And Paul came before the council because he was mad. You know why he was mad? Because there were people of, who were professing to be Christians, and they were telling the people who were Gentiles and from other nations, well, you've got to become like us and obey our laws. You've got to be circumcised. And uh, these are the things that you've got to do to be in the church. And Paul said, that's not the gospel. That Paul said, the gospel that we have is the circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh, where the old stuff is cut off. And, and you become new as a new creation. So they're there, and they're talking about this is what, and they agreed. And James, the leader of the church at that time, said, this is good. What Paul has said is right. So Paul and Barnabas, you go, and we're going to send Silas and somebody else with you to go. And you're going to go out, and you're going to tell the churches all around that this is, the, what, this is what we said as the leaders of the movement of God on the earth at this time. This is what we said, that you don't have to do those, those rudiment things of the law. All you have to do is believe in Jesus, repent, and you can be born again. And he said, this is what he, that's when he quoted that the, tab, the temple, the tabernacle that he was going to rebuild was the tabernacle of David. So he was saying, look, we know that God's going to establish a tabernacle of David that's worshipers who worship 24-7, not in a building in their life. Now, there will be buildings where they gather 
and they do that 24-7. I'm not against any of those ministries. I'm not against IHOP. Or I'm not against any of those things like that. I'm not. But what I'm saying is, in their pursuit, that was pure. I believe that with all my heart. But I think that what God is saying is that it's you individually, because as every one of us becomes that tabernacle of David where worship is what we live for, what we do, it's not just singing a song, it's how we conduct our lives, that we know that we're not alone, and that we live and we worship and we move in front of one with nail-scarred hands. He's not on the cross, he's resurrected. In the life that we live, we live from that place of the resurrected Christ, because it says, as he is, so are we in the earth. Not as he was, not as he was when he was resurrected even, as he is right now. Where is he right now? He's seated at the right hand of God the Father in power, in majesty, in glory. That's who he is. That's where he is. And he said, that's how I want you to see yourself. That's why in Hebrews, he said, you can come boldly before the throne. Enter in, come boldly, come often, come regularly into my presence. It's not just when we get alone and we pray. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your secret place, you have to guard it, but your secret place is not just to the room you shut yourself in. As we become that tabernacle of David, as understanding comes and we understand that I'm the tabernacle of David everywhere I go, so I can be riding down the road. That's why I won't get distracted by traffic. That's why I won't get distracted in line in a grocery store when someone else is having a day. Or the cashier is having a day. Because I'm that tabernacle and I have the privilege that all the time, 24-7, worship can be coming out of me. And as worship comes out of me, it affects those around me. I'm telling you, homes will start looking different. Marriages will start looking different. Workplaces will start looking different as we, the tabernacle of David, carry the Shekinah glory everywhere we go. And the presence of the Lord is with us. So no matter what we're doing, if we're mowing grass, if we're checking people out, if we're building something on a production line, if we're cutting hair, whatever we are doing, as we are doing it, as unto the Lord. Shekinah glory manifests out of us. We don't have to ask for it to come upon us because it's in us. Well, we say Shekinah glory come. I believe Shekinah glory that's in us can come and manifest corporately out of what's coming out of us. He keeps saying to me, Todd, quit praying to bring stuff in and start releasing what's already in. Quit praying like I need to give you something. Start releasing what's already been placed on the inside of you. It's a totally different perspective. As we walk into a room, he told them when they went out, he said, you go out two by two, you go into a house, release your peace. If your peace remains, you can stay there. If it doesn't go, just knock the dirt off your shoes and keep going. What was he saying? He said, there's something tangible that we can release in a room and we can know if it, had, if it was welcome. I haven't walked in that consciously, consistently, just being honest. But he continues to stir me. Who, Todd, who you carry is greater than anyone you come in contact with. So I don't see myself as bigger or better. I just see myself in him. And he came to serve. We go high by going low, by serving, 
by not being arrogant and cocky, but not being a doormat, by being obedient to his voice and to say yes to what he's saying and do what he's doing. I'm telling you, and I, I, I believe he's going to do this through unlikely candidates and unsuspecting candidates who aren't after a position. They aren't after a place to minister. They're just pursuing him. And they don't even see exactly what that looks like, but they say, I've got to have him. I've got to know him, and I have to make him known. You know, one of the things that, that came out, another thing that came out of our men's, I've just said, all right, Lord, and I prayed right there. I said, Jesus, I only want to say what you want me to say. I want to hold pure and, and tender what you hold pure and tender. So you tell me what I can say and what I can't say. But one of the things that came out of it is uh, Wes Fogelman. God showed me that he was key in the men getting together to pray. Because a few weeks before he talked to me, he talked to Ben and said, this is stirring in me. This is just stirring in me. And then he came to me and he said, I, I want to see unity in, in the community among churches and stuff like that. It's stirring in me. I said, just pray, Wes. I don't know what that looks like, but pray. And he said, all right. So he, he's been praying. And what he spoke to Ben and what he spoke to me began to draw us. And Ben and I began to talk. And we said, we've got to get the men together. Then that was Sunday. We said we were going to do that. Monday, I went to a meeting uh, at Center City at graduation and uh, was prophesied over. And the guy said, Monday night at, at prayer, he said, what do you do? I said, I'm standing there like this. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. He said, mm. He said, well, the Lord says he's going to use you to disciple men. Right? Dylan videoed it. Yeah. And everybody from the river starts laughing. And they said, why are you laughing? He said, he just stood up yesterday and said, the men are going to take their place and we're going to start this men's prayer meeting and stuff like that. And what I want you to know is all that, that prophetic word came on the heels of the stirring that was in my heart and Ben's heart that started with Wes being obedient. Now here's where I'm going with that. So Friday night we're there and Wes is sharing a testimony of how God purposed in his heart to speak to somebody, and he didn't do it. And he said, it really made me sick to my stomach when I didn't do it. And he said, the next day, the Lord showed me, and that opportunity came again, and I was obedient, and I did it. And he said, uh, that, that, that was stirring in me. He said, it made me literally sick to my stomach when I didn't obey the voice of the Lord. And I stopped, and I said, Wes, here's what I want you to do. I said, I want you to release over the men a nauseating feeling. I want you to release over the men a sickness to be disobedient for the Lord. What do you mean by that? I'm not saying that we all get sick. What I'm saying is this, that when we have opportunity to walk in obedience and we're not, that it really makes us sick to our stomach. Like we detest it and we say, no, I don't want that. I'm praying that over this church. That as God continues to say, you are the tabernacle of David. It's who you are. It's who I've created you to be. That when those times come, that we have an opportunity to release the Shekinah glory in a place, the peace of God, the presence of God, and we, we feel like we're shrinking back. That in our stomach begins to turn, and we go, I can't do it. I can't do it. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. So I'll do it, God. Yes, I'll do it, God. That's just a reminder. That turning your stomach, it's a reminder of who he is, that he's worthy. So I'm not praying sickness on anyone. That's the devil. But what I'm saying is this, but we'll be nauseated by complacency. We'll be nauseated by disobedience. 
This is we see things and they go, oh, I can't even hardly take that. It would be the same way when it comes to being obedient to what the Lord is telling us to do. Because of the position that we have because of what he accomplished for us. Jesus paid it all. And what I'm telling you is, as each person says yes and steps out where they are, listen, not where you are, not where I am, but where they are. They step out and say, yes. The body, as Paul prophesied, every joint supplying starts snapping together. And that's what corporate looks like. It's everyone doing their part, and then they come in here, and they've been doing their part all week. And then they come in here, and everybody starts clicking, and we start fitting together. And we go, well, man, it was just amazing today. I wonder what was different. You know what was different? We are the tabernacle of David. And we brought our tabernacles together. And as we did, every joint supplied. Needs were met. And I'm telling you, it's not just spiritual needs. I believe as we walk in this communion, this intimacy with the Lord, even physical needs, emotional needs are going to be met. Just like as we were in worship today, and we were worshiping, and the Lord said, I'm opening wounds. I believe we're going to be worshiping, and you'll be worshiping, and the Lord said, I want you to give somebody this amount of money. That's Acts chapter 2. That's Acts 2, because the Lord said that they, they sold what they had so that no one would be without, and they ministered. You know why? Because they were sensitive to the Lord. They were sensitive to the Lord. They were stirring up that which was on the inside of them. Do you understand that even today, we have something that they didn't have in Acts chapter 2, because he said, when I established my covenant, and when, when the tabernacle of David is erected, here's the things that you're going to see. That's the tabernacle I'm going to rebuild, and when you see it, you're going to see Gentiles. You're going to see Muslims. You're going to see all those coming in, because I've poured my spirit spirit out on that church. That's where we are in history. That's where we are. It's a culmination of God. And he said, did you see what he said? Oh, this is so good. This is why it looks different than even what they had in Acts chapter 2. It's magnified from glory to glory to glory. Because listen to what he said, this. He said, behold, the day is coming, says the Lord. Says who? Verse 13, the Lord all caps, Jehovah, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. What is he saying? He's saying harvest is coming in so fast that they, can't even, they don't even have time. The harvest is coming in as fast as the seed hits the ground and the harvesters are taking over those who were sowing seed. It's acceleration. It's acceleration. It's a time of acceleration. For uh, Here's what I believe. There's things that we've prayed for. There's things that we've talked to the Lord about in our secret place. And he said, those things that you even maybe lost hope in, it's going to come, and it's not just going to sneak up on you. It's going to be one of those that just blows you over like this, and you go, what was that? And he said, that's what I told you I would do. And you were steadfast and movable in the promises of God. You didn't lose faith. You didn't lose hope. You kept on and you kept on and you've sown. But now harvest is coming so fast, I'm going to overtake your sowing. That's the day we live in. He also said, in that day, I'll give you the latter and the former rain. 
the flood of the presence of the Lord is coming. And it's coming upon those who've erected the tabernacle of David on the inside of them. Who said, Jesus, I worship you. You're worthy. I worship you everywhere I go. I create a pattern of worship. It was so good how the Lord will confirm stuff because I uh, had the privilege, one of our young firemen, his father, who was just about nine months older than me, passed away. And uh, he was up in um, Mount Airy, just outside of Mount Airy. So I went up last night to to the visitation to see him. And, um, and I was on the way back and I had opportunity to minister to one of the firemen who rode with me. It was just he and I in the car and some other firemen were in a different car. He and I were in the car and we just started talking. And I just very gently began to talk to him about the Lord. And the Lord prompted me. He said, you could probably get him to say a prayer, but I don't want you to. That'll mess your theology up. He said, because I want you to invite him into into relationship with me, not say a prayer so you can feel better about yourself. So I just began to talk about who he is and and how the gifts that are inside of him. And I said, now what I want you to do is I want you to direct some of these gifts toward God and just say, Jesus, I want you to reveal yourself to me. I said, because salvation is as easy as this, believing that he's the son of God, repenting, which changed your mind, and and, uh, accepting him as Lord and Savior. I said, it's that simple, but what I want you to do is I want you to read the word, and I want you to say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. I didn't want a snap conversion. I just wanted to talk to him about this living God who's changed my life and let him know that there's an invitation for him to enter into that same relationship. So we're, we're, we're riding back, and it's about an hour and 20 minutes, the, the ride, 15, 20 minutes. So we're riding back, and we're talking, and I get back to the station and leave the, the car there and get my Jeep, and I'm riding home, and I call my wife, and I'm talking to her. And this is the Lord just, uh, he'll confirm, he'll confirm, he'll confirm, he'll confirm. So I'm talking to Tina, and we're talking, and she's, something's going on. I said, what is that? She said, well, I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm singing. She had worship music on. She was in the house. She had been cleaning and doing some different things, and she was worshiping the Lord, but she was so full of worship that even talking to me, she was singing in between things she was saying to me. I've never seen that. She's never done that before. But she was so full, it was just coming out. Why? Because she had been intentional to set her eyes on him and to worship him while she was doing the things around the house. She didn't just, it wasn't just sitting in a corner going, oh, Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Is that bad? No, that's good. That's good. But it was being conscious of him right there, so much so that she couldn't even stop to just talk to me. And I I said, what is that? She said, it's extravagant. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) The way you love me. I said, that's good. She said, I'll play it for you when you get here. (laughs) I believe that's the tabernacle of David. That we're just so consumed by him that he's coming out and we don't even know it. Worship is coming out. and It's not because we go, excuse me, fellow workers. I must worship the Lord now. Hallelujah. 
No, it's that we're so full that he just starts coming out. He being presence of Holy Spirit just starts coming out. And as he comes out, people around us go, what is that? So we don't have to be religious and say, do you know my God? We can put him on display in front of them and they'll say, who is that that you're talking about? Who is that that you're talking to or communing with? You know, there's something, about you're different. And we're, you know what? We're so fulfilled in him, we're okay with being different. And people even saying, you're different. We won't go, what do you mean? We will go, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Because we won't need an explanation because we don't need their affirmation. That's not condescending. What that's saying is, I understand my identity, that whose I am, I understand that. So I don't walk in arrogantly and go, do you know who I am? I walk in confidence and go, I know who I am. So if you don't know, just stay with me a few minutes. Just hang out with me a little while and you'll find out who I am because of whose I am. Because he's bigger than me, and no matter what I try, I can't keep him in. The more time I spend with him, the more he gets out. And it's not me being religious like I've got to talk. See, there's, man, I want to invite you to come Friday night, 8 o'clock. But the thing the Lord really spoke so clear through Jim, and I'll close. Jim said this. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, I don't want men to come out of obligation I want them to come out of compulsion. So just so you know, men that weren't able to be here, there's not a, well, you should, if you love God, you'd be here. No, what we're believing, there's going to be such a drawing on the inside of men. And women, we're not saying you can't do it. We're just saying you're not going to do it with us right now. (laughs) And we love you. And you're going to be glad that we're doing it. If you're not already, you're going to be glad we're doing it. But what we want is men who, when it's not just a date in their calendar, but Wednesday gets around, they go, oh, Friday's coming. Thursday gets here, and you know what? When today ends, it's Friday. And Friday, they go, and they do their jobs and all that, and they go, you know what? I get to to spend time with my family. We get to eat together. Then then I get to go to church with the men, and I get to pray. I I just, I know I need to be there because God is doing something in me that's going to affect my family. It's going to affect my workplace. It's going to affect my church. So I've got to be there. That's what we're after. That's what we're after. That's what I'm praying for. God, that's what you stir in the hearts of men. Because I'm telling you, as the men do that on Friday night, when when we come in here on Sunday, it's just going to go from glory to glory to glory. And and, uh, if, if you've ever heard me speak, you know, I'm not about manifestation. It's not about what it looks like out here. It's about what God's doing in here. Because if I measure what it looks like out here, I can miss what's going on in here. Because if anybody knows how to fake it till they make it, it's men. They can be falling apart on the inside, but on the outside, they look they, they, I got this. I don't know what I got. And I got it by the tail, and it's whipping me all over the place, but I got it. I got it, just so you know. Don't you doubt it, I got it. It's beating me to death, but I got it. Like the bacon in that commercial in the back seat, the bacon's beating him, he got it, but it's, I'm sorry. That's just my world. 
Welcome to my world. That's the way it looks sometimes. These images just come. I, I got to say this, and then we'll stop. We, we redeemed something today in worship. There's a few who called on. A few got a little excited. I'm like, Jesus, help them. They're getting out of the secular realm over into Jesus now. But you know what? At first, I'm like, what are we doing? What is Mel doing? But then the Lord said, I'm doing something that's sowing back to someone. Because we were singing a Katy Perry song. And she talked about God being our champion, and he's going to roar. And she sings about, you've got the eye of the tiger. But you know what? Why we're redeeming that? Because her parents are, are ministers. And she walked out of the church, I believe, out of hurt and into the secular world, and renounced that stuff, turned away from that stuff, and I believe because of hurt and abuse, and just skyrocketed to the top. All her life had been in church, leading in worship and stuff like that, and walked away from it all. And it hurt, my heart hurts, because she didn't just go into the secular world, she went raunchy. And I thought, as a dad of a daughter, and I would cry and pray for that girl, because I thought, man, as a minister, how it must hurt. Not that they're hurting their name. It's beyond that. See, if you're still worried about your reputation, you need to get in the secret place. It was about the heart of a father. And when we started singing that, I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know what we're doing? We're sending something back into her that she don't even know about from Gibsonville, North Carolina. <laughs> The Holy Spirit of God's going back, and it's going to start wrecking her. Yes. I believe. He's, he's going to start wrecking her. He's going to start wrecking her, and I'm going, ah, Jesus, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Not to reclaim secular songs. No, you've missed it. But to do something spontaneous by the Spirit that's going to sow back into somebody who doesn't even know it's coming. Yeah. And they begin to break stuff. They begin to break stuff. That's my declaration. That's what the Lord was speaking to me as we were seeing that. I'm, I'm, you know, you've prayed for that girl. I'm, I'm sowing something back into her. I'm sowing something back into her. There's nothing beyond being redeemed. There's no one beyond being redeemed by his love. He's that good. He's so good. I'm like, Jesus, Jesus. 